Welcome to the Resilient Minds Podcast. This season, we're talking about alternative healing modalities, opening you up to your own inner power, and giving you the confidence to support yourself. I'm your host, Rory, owner and creator of Rory Moon Crystals and Academy, and I'm honored to be guiding you along this journey. What could possibly be more fitting for this episode than to have me sitting on the floor making this recording with one of my newer crystals in one hand and one of my older crystals, let's say, in my other hand? In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about when crystals came into my healing journey, how they came into my healing journey, what has been my most memorable experience with my crystals, and We're going to go through how these crystals show up in my life now. And as always, giving you a little tip that you can do in your everyday life to make that small shift for a big change. As an aside, this doesn't really have a whole lot to do with my healing journey, but more about where I'm coming from as a person. I have a slight background in radio and television, and this is actually the first time that I've ever recorded on like a USB mic, and I am so impressed. I don't know if you could hear, not a few seconds ago, my dog walked by and made a little grunting noise, and the microphone picked it up, and so if you hear a little walking or little gruntings, there's a... 50% chance it's my stomach and a 50% chance it's just my dog walking around. So welcome to the podcast, everybody. What I am thoroughly enjoying about this first season is being able to dive into each and every healing or alternative modality that I have explored in my life and really pinpoint the small shift that that made in my life. I am a firm believer that small shifts will make the big changes. So you don't have to go on a six-week retreat in the Himalayan mountains and, you know, isolate yourself from the world and go hardcore vegan for those six weeks and, you know, really just change everything about yourself in, in that one moment. There are actually little things that you can do each and every day that are going to have a big impact. So crystals are near and dear to my heart. I would have to say, yeah, this is the first alternative experience I have had. And to be honest, I didn't even realize it was an alternative kind of modality when I was first experiencing it. And what I want to (laughs) share about this first crystal experience, I have, like I said, I have a with me right now, a rather new crystal to my collection. It's a smoky Lemurian point. I'm obsessed with her. Um, We'll talk more about Lemurians in another podcast, I'm sure. But the second crystal that I brought with me is actually just a very, what's the word, understated piece of flint. And it took me quite a long time to even figure out what this crystal was called. So I'm going to take you back (laughs) how many years? I think I was nine or 10 or 11. One of those three years, I can't recall. (laughs) So I'm about between the ages of nine and 11 and I was visiting family in Switzerland 
And, you know, on a whim, my mom was like, hey, like, do you guys want to train over to Paris? Because in Europe, everything is really easy and accessible to get around to. I mean, once you can get there and we're like, yeah, yeah, let's go. We were going to go to Euro Disney. We were going to, you know, explore the streets of Paris and, you know, have a good time. So part of that little day trip was going to the Louvre and it's a museum in Paris. And funny enough, it is a giant pyramid. That's like the very staple shape of the Louvre is everyone knows it, knows that there's this like big uh, glass pyramid. If you've watched the Da Vinci Code, then you probably know what I'm talking about. So we were, I think we were leaving, yeah, we were leaving the Louvre and something caught my eye on the ground. Okay. If you were a kid like me, you may have been attracted to things on the ground, (laughs) sticks, leaves, bugs, worms, whatever. For me, it was rocks. So something blue caught my eye on the ground and I reached down and I couldn't get it out of the ground. And I was like, oh, don't worry, we've got this. So I found a stick nearby, I grabbed a stick. So now I'm excavating. (laughs) I'm chiseling with this tiny, when I say stick, I think I'm being very generous. It was more like a twig. So I'm taking this twig and I'm trying to get this blue thing out of the ground. I don't know what it is. I'm like, oh, is it like a piece of a tile? Like, is it, I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was, but I needed to have it. I was like so hyper-focused. So I'm I'm chipping away with my twig to get this blue thing out and, you know, kind of dusting it off my fingers. And I finally was able to like dislodge it and I pull it out and it's this like beige, it's like has like a rough beige uh, kind of edge and the top is smooth and it's a very, very light blue. Like there's a very small piece of it that's blue. Most of it is like this beige slash gray. And I was like so happy and I took my little rock and I looked up and my whole family was gone. Like straight home alone moment. I was like, oh my gosh, my family left me. They didn't see me stop to, obviously they didn't see me stop to go and dig up this random rock. And I'm like looking around, you know, like I said, nine, 10, 11 ish in the busy streets of Paris, not sure where my family went. Thankfully they came back. They noticed I was gone. You know, they didn't leave me in Paris for weeks on end. They came back and they were like, oh my gosh, like, what were you doing? And I was like, well, I saw a rock. And my family just like shook their head and said, okay, come on, we're going to, our next stop was Notre Dame, which is one of a beautiful church in Paris. And I was very, very excited. So we headed over there and I don't think this has come up yet, but I uh, am baptized Catholic. So very familiar with churches and how things work. And when you walk into a Catholic church, there's usually a basin filled with holy water. And the intention is to dip your fingers in the holy water and, you know, do the sign of cross or put it on your, your, your forehead, your chest, what have you. So little me looks at this bin of holy water, knowing what I'm supposed to do with it. And I dip my fingers into the cold water and I pull my stone out of my pocket and I rub this holy water on my stone. And no one really saw me again. Like, I feel like I'm painting my parents to be like very negligent, but like they weren't, I'm just like very sneaky. So I like had this holy water and I was rubbing it on my stone and I, I don't remember having a conversation with it or about it with anybody or, you know, having it be a suggestion from someone else. Like, like no one in my family would be like, Oh yeah, like maybe you should like bless your stone. Like, right. So 
like I said, at that point in my life, I didn't necessarily understand what I was doing, but it was something that I was just drawn to do. And even before that day in Paris, I had been collecting stones. I had, you know, been given those little packages with a couple minerals and a little guidebook, but it was always uh, mineral information. So like, what kind of a rock? Where is it native to? Like Mohs, where does it fall on the Mohs hardness scale? Like nothing about energy, nothing about its healing properties, nothing about them being a tool for, like I said, for healing. When I started associating crystals with something other than you know, a status of wealth. Like when I say that, say, you know, like you see a diamond, you're like, oh, diamond's expensive. Oh, diamond's fancy. So my, my first kind of connection was actually with birthstones. So when I worked at a jewelry store, they spoke a lot about birthstones. So they had pieces that were for each stone and each month we would be featuring like, okay, it's September, we're featuring the sapphires this month. And I knew as a June baby, my birthstone was a rare stone that I didn't really have. And I know this because I had a pair of earrings and the birthstone that I'm referring to for June is called Alexandrite. So it's a beautiful purple stone. Think like a purple sapphire. Like it's like a little bit richer than like your amethyst. Yeah. And it's more rare than amethyst. So an amethyst is February's birthstone. Fun facts. So my mom had, had these earrings that I guess she bought when I was young and they were these Alexandrite and the Alexandrite is a rare stone. So usually in the case when there's a rare or precious stone as the, you know, number one birthstone, there's going to be a semi-precious alternative. So for June, it was pearls and mm -mm, was not into the pearls. I did not like how they looked. And this jewelry store that I worked with was like, oh, another alternative is moonstone. <gasps> and my heart sword. I was so happy because I obviously wanted Alexandrite, but it was a little bit harder to find. It wasn't something that a lot of places carried and I wasn't really into the pearls at the time. So hearing that moonstone was another option. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. It's called moonstone. Again, I just had this drawing, this intense attraction to even just the name of the stone that I, I couldn't explain. So I was very, very happy about, about that. Okay, so we've gone from Paris, finding a stone in the dirt, blessing it, to birthstones. And it's just kind of built on from there. It would be about seven years ago, I started looking at crystals differently. I started reading about their energetic properties I started learning a little bit more about their color correspondences that aligned with the chakra system. And I, I went head first. Okay. I'm not going to sugarcoat this guys. When I get excited about something, I go like all the way in. So I started buying a bajillion and one crystals. I frequented crystal shops. I was like looking, I was like, oh yeah, crystal shop near me, crystal shop near me. Everywhere I went, I'm like, is there a crystal shop? And every time I found a new crystal shop, it was like making a new friend. 
but like without the drama. It was like, oh my gosh, I've never heard of this place before. Other people have heard of it though. So like, I'm gonna go and check it out. And it was just the most exciting thing. The first time I stepped into a crystal shop was actually with the intention of participating in a tarot class. So I was doing a tarot masterclass and it was a very difficult time mentally for me. I was not feeling very great with what I was doing my nine to five. I was very unhappy with my work situation, which took up 90% of my day. And I was looking for a spark of light. And this course became announced. I think I was following the shop on Instagram potentially. And then, you know, something was announced or like, I can't remember if I was like in the shop at the time when, when I found out about it, but it just so happened that it was the first time this shop was running this extensive eight week program and they were test piloting it and they offered it for free. So not only was it right place, right time, it was right price point. It was like a gift from the universe saying, there are things that are going to be happening that you need to be prepared for. And here's going to be step one, you know, so I had to go into this crystal shop once a week for eight, I think it was eight weeks. And every time I walked into that crystal shop, I had the same feeling. My heart was kind of fluttery, like excited. And every time before the class, I would just kind of like poke around and usually come home with a crystal too. So, you know, they're still making money off me. Let's, let's not, (laughs) let's not pretend I was there with completely no energy exchange. And from being in that atmosphere, from being around, you know, those 10, 15 people who were there to learn how to read tarot, which again is another tool that we can, uh, we can dive into, but there were also Some of them were a little bit more tapped into their energy, a little bit more tapped into working with energy. There were people who were identifying as light workers. There were like all these words that I have never heard before. And I heard for the first time, crystal healer. And my initial reaction was, well, how? Like when I was in that point in my life, when I was hearing people say, I'm a crystal healer, I'm a light worker, I'm an energy worker. I was just like, but how are you? How did you get there? And it was the complete separation of like them and me, like they are gifted. They are able, they are special. Me, I am not. At this point in time, there were a couple different things at play. The first thing that Again, I did not know in the moment, but looking back, I am able to reflect. So a couple things that were at play at this point was I was in a dark place mentally. I was craving connection, validation, purpose. And my mindset wasn't at a place where I could see myself being able to express in the same way that some of these other people were. And that all circles back to where I was coming from mentally. So at this point in my life, when I was 
like I said, visiting this crystal shop on a weekly basis and feeling that connection and feeling like I was surrounded by people who were like me, you know, that feels good to feel like you're around people who understand you. And I was young at the time. I was quite young. I was just out of university. So I wasn't established in a career. I mean, that might've been part of the problem because I was just kind of like taking whatever I could get and, you know, wasn't really, wasn't really lighting me up and I wasn't attracting the right kinds of people that I wanted to be working beside. So coming from that place of low, dark, shadow, whatever it is that you want to call it, these crystals spoke to me and shone out and stood out to me in a way that nothing else was. And I was like, Whatever this is, I need more of it. So I bought up all the crystals. I brought them home. And like I said, I started learning more and more about these crystals. Okay, so I just want to back up a bit because in true winging it fashion, you would think I wrote down all these things that I wanted to touch on and I didn't. So I got to like rewind the tapes a second. I went to, I think it was like the yoga and wellness or the health and wellness show, something along those lines. I won these tickets. Okay, here's the the kismet energy here. I won these tickets. And so again, this was like a gift from the universe saying, you need to be here. All of these things are going to align for you. So I won these tickets. I go to this show. I walk around and I see a woman sitting there and her table is full of these beautiful beaded bracelets. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We've seen them. They are a hot commodity right now, but you know, back then it wasn't as hot. Okay. So I was very excited and I walk up to this table and there's beaded bracelets everywhere and they're so beautiful. And then I notice that she has these little cards that go along with them. And the cards are talking about the energies of the crystals and mind blown. So I walk up and she's like, Oh, like what? what bracelet do you like? Like I have little like cards for them. If you see one that is interesting to you. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I was like, oh, I really like how this one looks. And she's like, oh, this bracelet is for X, Y, Z. I can't remember what, what it was. And she rambles off a couple key points from her little card. And I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. I need that. Okay. What about this one? This, I like how this one looks. Oh yeah. So this is this stone, this stone, this stone, and it helps with this, 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 this. I was like, okay. So I bought three bracelets that day and I got the woman's card and I reached out to her and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. She had mentioned in passing where it said on her card, I think that she does like parties. Mm, I love a party. Back in the nineties, it was like such a thing to go to like party light parties, Tupperware parties, that MLM game was strong. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I've never seen it like this. I'm like, this isn't MLM. This is just like a person who she probably had MLM experience. But yeah, just a person who like wants to come and like do these beautiful things. And I was like, oh, this is so, so cool. So I book her. She comes to my house. I invite 
10 or so friends and family over and she has all of her bracelets and everyone's going crazy. Oh my God. Oh, this is for this. Oh my God. I so need that. Oh my God. How did, how did they know that this was the, the vibe I was giving out? And oh, how did they know that I was like feeling down on my luck? Or how did they know that I was like in search of love and nah, 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 nah. and everyone is going crazy. And I'm just like, whoa, these people, again, like my circle of friends, my friends and family at that point in my life we're not tapped into the metaphysical world. My circle has since evolved and a lot of my friends now are, but like that specific point in my life, that was not the case. And I was like, this is so cool. So remember how I said I worked at that jewelry store? So this is when I start piecing things together. Okay, so I meet this woman at this convention, uh, won tickets to, and she's amazing and she's like, you know, telling me how kind of, I don't want to say she like gave me a breakdown for business, but she was like, you know, like, this is kind of like what I do. This is like my full-time thing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. This is like all you do. You make bracelets and you go around to people's houses and you sell bracelets. I was like, this is incredible. And after that party, everyone went home and I'm sitting there and my cogs start reaming. They're like going a mile a minute and I'm like, I can do this. I can do this because first of all, I am in the jewelry business currently. That was what I was doing at the time uh, of, at this point in my life. I was working at a jewelry company and I'm like, I know about jewelry. I know how to sell. I know how to speak about jewelry. I know how to like accessorize and match colors and like blah, 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 blah. And I'm now tapping into this amazing information about crystals and seeing how happy it made people to read those cards and feel heard and seen and understood. I was like, that is what I need to be doing. I wish I had this written out on a calendar because I could probably chronologically like dial in when Rory Moon started in comparison to this, but I digress. We're just going to have to use our imaginations. Okay, kids? When this party ended, I made an executive decision with myself that I'm going to start making intention bracelets. And I in no way, shape or form was ripping off this woman's idea. It was, you know, other people were making these bracelets at the time, but she, and if I ever met her again, if I ever saw her again, I will gladly share the story with her, but she inspired me in a way beyond the product offering, she became an expander for me. She was living a life that I didn't even know was possible. And by that, she was making something beautiful, making people happy and living off of it. She wasn't working in an office. She wasn't working in a mall. She wasn't working, you know, she was working for herself. And I was like, whoa. Okay. So Rory Moon happened. Rory Moon started in 2016. Rory Moon started from this very kismet experience, lighted a fire in me that said, I can achieve. I can't like, I could see this being a reality for me. So I bought a bunch of beads. No, no, no. That's not the first thing I did. The first thing I did was I bought a crystal Bible. I think it was the Judy Hall. No, it wasn't Judy Hall's. It was 
Simon Scott, Scott Simon. I'll, I'll add it in the show notes. So I got my crystal Bible and I fanned through it and I was reading all the descriptions. And with each description, I was like, oh, yes, I like this. And I would put a postie on it, a little like tab. And I would, I went through this whole book. It was like, like 300 pages, little like chubby, like square book. And I went through it all and I pinned all, all the crystals that I was interested in. And I was like, yep, this is, these are all the crystals that I want to work with, that I want to find. Okay. Now I'm going to tie up some loose ends here because as I was flipping through this book, I passed by a page and it says Flint. And I look at the picture and it's my Paris stone. It's that little beige, slightly blue, understated stone. And it was in this book. So I will... Maybe I should do a chronological time frame. Maybe I'll go a little extra in the show notes and and give you um, some timelines. But however many years later, I want to say at least 10, at least 10 years later, I'm finally identifying this stone. And I still have it. Like I told you, I'm holding it right now. I've had it all this time. So one beautiful thing after another. So I bookmarked all my crystals And I found a shop in Toronto that sold beads. And I was like, cool, I walk in there. So (laughs) proud of myself. I have my little book with me and I'm like, sir, where are your beads? And he leads me in the back to this room, floor to ceiling, beads hanging everywhere. Strands and strands and strands and strands and strands. And I was like, in heaven. And I open up my book and I'm like, Thinking about it now, I'm cringing because I'm like slightly embarrassed for myself that I like studied to go crystal like bead shopping. But like, this is so me. We're going to get to know each other real well. And this is like so typical me. So I have my book and I'm like, sir, I'm looking for this stone. Like, where is it? And at this point, I wasn't really good at identifying them, especially when they were tumbled. It was really difficult for me to identify a crystal because I could see it in my book, but usually it was giving me like a raw image. So I'd be like, hey, I'm looking for this crystal. Do you have it? And he's like, yep, bam. Points it to a strand on the wall. I'm like, okay, pull it down. Uh, Sir, do you have this? Yes, bam. And he was identifying them like without hesitation. And then I was like, ooh, I'm looking for turquoise. He was like, don't have turquoise. This looks like turquoise, but it's not. It died. How light? And I was like, what? But it looks like turquoise. So another very amazing expander came into my life because he was now someone who could identify everything. He was like, tumble, raw, whatever, doesn't matter. He was like a walking Rolodex for crystals. If you don't know what a Rolodex is, Google it, okay? For any of our younger listeners, <laughs> Rolodex. Anywho, I'm gathering all these beads and I'm cashing out and I dropped, I think like $200. And I was like, oh, so much money. What if no one buys my bracelets? You know, then the doubt starts setting in, right? When you have to like fork out the money for it. And like $200 at that time was a lot of money for me. I was like working part-time 2016. I wasn't in school anymore. So yeah. So I was working part-time and yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, $200. Where am I going to get this money from? So I go home with my crystals and I just start making. And I remember I, I went in very methodically because I wanted certain crystals. So I wanted to make certain kinds of bracelets. So I'd already decided, okay, this is the bracelet is going to have 
this, this, this stone on it. This bracelet's going to have this, this, this stone on it. And I was pulling inspiration from the Four Noble Truths, from the Eightfold Path. And then just from like things that I thought people needed. I think I had a Tree of Life bracelet. I had like a, a starry night. I can't remember what I called it. But it was like this beautiful, like I had a star on it and these, uh, the blue goldstone beads. I think I called it like starry. I can't, I can't recall. Anywho, I'm like trying to recall things that are so deep in the brain bank. So that's where it started. And I didn't actually start making the bracelets when I got them home, when I got the beads home. They kind of like sat for a bit. And then I get a phone call from my aunt and she's talking to me about the annual craft sale that my grandmother has. So every year my grandma, she's a very crafty woman. She has a Christmas craft sale and it's always just like the last week of November and there's lots of like faux flower um, arrangements and some chocolate and some like dolls that she like sews dresses for and like a whole a whole bunch of different things. And I remember talking to my aunt and I was like, yeah, like I'm, I think I'm going to start making bracelets and you know, I kind of like give her a little background like yeah I'm like really inspired for this blah 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 and she was like oh that's great are you gonna bring some to the craft sale and I was like whoa like I didn't even like think about that and she's like yeah absolutely like we can leave you a little like spot for it and and like bring some bracelets and I was like okay okay like how many she's like I don't know like how many can you make like 20 10 I don't know and I was like okay yeah I'll, I'll try and make 10 like I'll, I'll I'll make 10 like this is great it gives me like a goal she's like okay fantastic not Two days later, I call her back and I was like, yeah, so I made like 30. <laughs> I just turned into a little elf in Santa's workshop and I pumped these bracelets out. My fingers would not stop. It was just flow, 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 flow. And it felt so amazing and I was very excited and I was making a little like information stand. I was making little cards to go with them so that people knew what they were getting. And I was like, oh my God, this is so incredible. And that really catapulted me into this metaphysical world. So the point of sharing these little slices of life with you is because you never know where things are leading you. There is a little bit of divine trust that needs to fall in with your life. And it's not until you take a step back and you look at where you were and where you are and all the little nooks and crannies that got you there that you can start connecting the dots. Like I have, like I even connected some dots that I didn't even realize until I started talking right now. And that is the beauty of it. I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a metaphysical maven. I'm going to perfect crystal healing, start a business, connect with people and starting now. No, that is not what happened. There were many little nudges and little clues that the universe left for me. And with each of those decisions, I brought myself closer to being where I am right now with my crystal healing. And my healing journey on an arc is so much more than this. Like I'm, you know, I'm skipping over a bunch of things, (laughs) just focusing on like how crystals kind of played a part. But it's a layered, a layered system. It does not happen overnight. It is not a big jolt to your system. Bam, I'm healed or I'm enlightened or whatever it is that you want to call it. 
It's little choices that we make each and every single day. Thank you so much for sharing your energy with me. If you like this week's episode, tell a friend. After all, you may be the catalyst that launches them into their own healing journey. For more life-embracing content, look me up on Instagram at Rory Moon. And always keep on with the little shifts. Before you know it, you'll see a big change. Bye for now. Thank you.